Hello everyone. Welcome to another sharing of God's Word through the Latter Rain Ministries. We invite you to visit our website at www.thelatterrain.org. And as always, please feel free to write us. We love hearing from you all. At this moment, we would like to send a special hello to the nice people that are following us in Europe, to the folks in France, Germany, Ireland, the Netherlands, Romania, Spain, and the United Kingdom. Hello, dear friends. We are very happy that you are joining us regularly. Today we are going to continue taking a small break from our series on Proverbs. And as part of today's break, we will have felt a special prompting to talk about Nehemiah. Nehemiah was truly a faithful and honorable servant of the Lord. Through Nehemiah's faithfulness to God, the Lord was able to do great things through him. I know that many have spoken about Nehemiah, and as a matter of fact, I heard just recently a very respected preacher talk about him, which was of much blessing to me. But through that same message, God ministered a little more. He ministered something to me that I've not heard many people focus on, and that is what we would like to talk more about today. Meanwhile, I would like to turn your attention for a moment to the incident that happened in Kawasaki, Japan, just a few days ago. The following is an online excerpt from a CNN report. Three people, including an 11-year-old girl, were killed and 17 other children hurt in a stabbing spree in Japan on Wednesday, a rare act of public violence in a country considered one of the safest in the world. The attack took place near a park in the city of Kawasaki, about 13 miles or 21 kilometers from Tokyo, authorities said. The children were waiting for the bus to the nearby Caritas Elementary School, according to the school's director, Tetsuro Saito. Saito said that the students were standing in two lines when the school's vice principal, Satoru Shitori, who was helping students get on the bus, witnessed a man holding two knives, stabbing children one after another while running. Kawasaki police said a total of 19 people were injured, including the two victims who died. People have named the girl who was killed as Hanako Kuribashabi. Her age was previously given as 12 by a spokesperson at Nippon Medical School Musashi Kosugi Hospital. The adult male victim, 39-year-old Satoshi Oyama, was a father of a first-grade student at Karada's Elementary School and a government employee. It is not clear if Oyama's child was hurt in the incident. All 17 children who were stabbed were girls, most of whom were lower elementary students, according to Saito. Innocent students who are raised with love by their parents have fallen victim to the pathetic incident. I am suffering from an unfocused anger and from the deepest regret, Saito said. The suspected attacker, 51, also died from a self-inflicted wound, a Japanese public broadcaster NHK reported. As you consider this news and the uncertainty of life in general, where anything can happen to anyone anywhere, I encourage you to pray for the continued spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. People need to hear and receive the good news of salvation, especially considering the reality that our existence here is uncertain. We don't know what will happen to any of us at any given moment. It's not a scare tactic. It's just reality that life is uncertain and that we have no clue when the life we are given here may end. As we considered what happened to these children, we need to take note and we need to be concerned for ourselves and our standing before the Lord. And we need to pray for the salvation of those around us, that they may be ready for when that moment comes, whenever it comes. As it is written, 
But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. So, however it may happen, let's pray that we may be found worthy before the eyes of the Lord in that day and help others to be ready for that moment as well. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I praise you and I worship you, O Lord, for your goodness, for your mercy, for your grace, O Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. I can never say enough thanks for that. Because through him is that you have saved us and you have given us the opportunity for eternal life. Thank you, O Lord, for your love through him. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray, Lord God, for these victims in Japan. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I pray, Lord God, Heavenly Father, that your word, your gospel may be able to reach them somehow. Heavenly Father, give them the opportunity to be able to listen to your word. Heavenly Father, I pray in general, Lord God, for the spread of your, of your word. I pray, O Lord God, Heavenly Father, that we may be able to earnestly work so that other people may come to know your truth, so that others may come to know your gospel, the eternal life that you have for them through Jesus Christ. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you may help us to be able to do what you have commanded us to do, Lord God, to be able to share the good news of salvation with every single person that we can. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus now, Lord God, please open our hearts, our minds, help us to be open to your word. Help us, O oh Lord, to be able to understand it, Lord God, to glean what we need to glean and to grasp what we need to grasp. I pray for every person listening right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today we're going to be seeing a little bit of Nehemiah's life. Our scripture passage today comes from Nehemiah chapter 1, and this is what we read. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. It came to pass in the month of Tislev, in the twentieth year, as I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah, and I asked him concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. And the wall of Jerusalem is all broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. Please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open, that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night, for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you, and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. 
Remember, I pray the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you are cast out to the farthest part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Now these are your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name and let your servant prosper this day. I pray and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. For I was the king's cupbearer. Over the years, I've heard quite a few messages on Nehemiah. Nehemiah was and is, because he is in the Lord's presence right now, truly an interesting person. I would encourage all of you to read the book of Nehemiah because there's a lot of good stuff in there and that is truly applicable to our lives here and now. But here's where I feel we really need to spend a few minutes. Throughout the passage that we just read, I would like for us to focus on the last part of the last verse where Nehemiah says that he was the king's cupbearer. I've heard many folks describe the position that he had as a position of great importance, which in fact it was. As cupbearer, Nehemiah was basically at the king's side at all times. He was a person that heard and saw pretty much everything that had to do with the king and would happen in front of the king's presence. If the king ever wanted to drink something, Nehemiah had to be there. So that afforded him certain luxuries that many other people didn't have. He was always in a great place. He could eat of the king's food. He always had to be well-dressed because he had to have an impeccable presentation before the king. He was privy to great confidentiality and probably great royal secrets, so he had to be extremely trustworthy. Nehemiah had it made, except for one thing. What his job actually entailed. As the cupbearer, his job was to taste everything the king drank which involved great danger. Because as king, you have to remember that their lives were always in danger. Kings were always targets to overthrows and takeovers by other governments and kingdoms and from within as well. There was always someone or some people trying to kill the king. So the main job of the cupbearer was to taste everything that the king was to drink to see if it was poison or not. That takes the glamour away from the job description of cupbearer, right? And here is exactly where we want to spend a little time. What made Nehemiah the special person he was, making him as devoted as he was to the Lord? Nehemiah's job as a cupbearer practically forced him to think of the reality that every moment could have been his last on earth. Basically, the king's thirst could have triggered his end. Could you imagine what it could have been like that every time the king was thirsty, he could have been pronouncing his death? Every single time the king called for a drink, that could have been it, the end. The king saying, I want a drink is like saying, I think it's time for you to die. Do you know how many times a day and how many times during a meal, a single sit down, could it have been Nehemiah's end? It's at minimum nerve wracking. Yet out of something so chaotic and disturbing, God brought good into Nehemiah's life. 
I'm very certain that Nehemiah living with the constant reminder that every moment could be his last made him draw that much closer to the Lord, making sure that he was in the good place with the Lord right before that next drink. This is probably what me, Nehemiah, the great man he was, the God-honoring man he was, because he lived every moment like if it was his last. This is what made him the incredible vessel he was for the Lord's work. And this is the problem that many people have today. Many people take life for granted. Many people feel overconfident in the time that they have left on this planet. Most people live like they have all of the time in the world, like they have nothing to worry about. And this is an arrogance that is based on a lie because the truth is that life is very uncertain for us all. No matter who we think we are, or how much we have, or how old we are, or how great our health may be at the moment, death is completely 100% equal opportunity. Which means that there is absolutely no discrimination when it comes to death. It happens to people that are rich and that are poor. It happens to people with a lot of education and knowledge, and it happens to people that are ignorant. It happens to people of all races. It happens to people of all ages. As we just read with what happened in Japan just a few days ago, one of the safest countries in the world. James chapter 4, verse 13 to 14 teaches us this. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such city, spend a year there, Buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. We cannot simply take our lives here for granted. We need to put away the ignorant arrogance and pride thinking that we are safe and that nothing could happen to us and that we have nothing but time on our side. That is wrong. And foolish, because reality teaches us something else. There is nothing in this world that can assure you the next five minutes of your life. Now is there? Here are some statistical facts given to us by the World Health Organization compiled for 2015. The top 10 leading causes of death in the world in 2015 were as follows. Road injury, 1.34 million deaths. Tuberculosis, 1.37 million. Diarrheal diseases, 1.38 million. Alzheimer's disease and other dementia, 1.54 million. Diabetes, 1.5 million. Lung, tracheal, and bronchial cancers, 1.6 million. COPD or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, 3.17 million. Lower respiratory infections, 3.19 million. Stroke, 6.2 million. Ischemic Heart disease or coronary heart disease, 8.7 million. And if you add the numbers, which counts for only 51.4% of all deaths in 2015, we have a number that is greater than 30 million deaths within these 10 types of killers alone. That is 82,192 deaths per day or 3,425 deaths per hour or 57 deaths per minute. So on an average, 57 people died in 2015 from these 10 killers alone per minute. So I'm not trying to paint a morbid picture, but rather an unavoidable reality. That is why it is unfounded 
when someone thinks that nothing will happen to them and that they are in complete control of their lives. There are some people, even so-called Christians, that believe that bad things happen to bad people or people that are not pleasing God, which is not necessarily correct either. Luke chapter 13 verse 1 to 5 says this, There were present at that season some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So just because you think you might be doing something right before the eyes of God doesn't mean that you are somehow entitled to avoid the magic bullet, if you will. That's why the health and wealth gospel that is preached out there does not coincide with God's truth. It's a lie. The Lord taught us through this story in Luke chapter 12, the following. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Here is the truth. We will all die someday. And you may be doing nothing good and you may be doing nothing bad if that were even possible because we're all sinners. You will die someday, some sooner than others. And the truth is that you never ever know how or when it is going to happen. It could be tomorrow. It could be when you are old and full of years. It could be while you are even still listening to this message. It will happen. The question is, how will God find you when that moment comes? What will He find you doing? Would you be able to stand before His presence, justified, and forgiven through Jesus Christ because you were living for Him? This is the reality we truly need to be concerned with. Many people are living for so many things that just have little to no value in the end. People strive for things, people work hard for the temporary, but worst of all, people live without any kind of concern or thought for the eternal. It's not that things within themselves are bad. It's not that having relationships is bad either. But think about this. If God were to come for you in the next five minutes, where do you stand with your faith and relationship with Jesus Christ? What have you done with your life? What have you done today? Nehemiah was special because he lived every moment like if it was his last and he pleased God and did great things for the Lord because he chose to live every moment for the Lord. Now you might say, John, what about my family and work and responsibilities? 
Well, the Bible teaches us that we should do everything like unto the Lord, and that is what makes everything count. In everything that we do, the first consideration should always be for the Lord, seeking His will and His glory. And if we do things, we do them like if we're doing them for Him. If we love and care for our family, we should be doing it like if it were for Him. If we work hard and are responsible with whatever we are given, we do it like unto the Lord. Obviously, if we serve the Lord, we don't do it for the sake of doing something good or being useful, but we do it for Him because we love Him. We need to always remember the order of things. The first and greatest commandment is, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And the second is that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So if there is any wise counsel I could give you right now, it would be this. Live every moment like it's your last. Because if we go by the numbers, you just might be living your last moments. And in doing so, Look to Jesus. Make things right with God if you need to by repenting and converting from all your sins and make Jesus the Lord of your life. Give Him your life without reservations and let Him in fact be the Lord of your life. Do what He tells you to do. If you make Jesus the Lord of your life and you let Him lead you every day, I guarantee you that you will be ready for when that time comes and you will have done those things that truly please the one that really matters. Because this is also something you need to keep in mind. Once you go, there is no turning back. There are no do-overs. You only get one life to live and it's never too late to start living it for the Lord that loves you and wants only the best for you and for those around you. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, help us, O Lord, to be mindful of the reality that we live. Help us, O Lord, to understand that this life is uncertain and that we need to live our lives in a certain way, Lord God, that we need to live for you. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that anything could happen anywhere at any time and that there's nothing we can really do about it. Heavenly Father, help us to be mindful of that. Help us, O Lord, to be responsible, Lord God. Lord, you have given us such a great gift. You've given us the gift of salvation, of eternal life through your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to understand what that is. Help us, O Lord, to treasure it, Lord God, and help us to live like that is what we have. Help us, O Lord, Heavenly Father, to always be able to put you in the first place that you belong. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, O God, that you help us to be mindful of who you are and who we are, and that we are nothing without you. Help us, O Lord, to count our days. Help us, O Lord, to understand that the moments that you give us here are for a reason, are for a purpose, are for a why, that there are greater things that you have in mind for our lives, Lord God. Help us to see beyond the here and now, beyond the visible, and look towards the invisible, look towards you, the author and finisher of our faith. Heavenly Father, help us to learn how to return the love that you have shed upon us. I pray for every person that is listening right now. 
I pray, Heavenly Father, that you give them clarity, that you give them good understanding. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you may ingrain this truth in their hearts, Lord God, and that they might be able to live for you. I give you thanks and I praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please join us again next time as we continue studying God's Word. Please feel free to write us through our website if you would like more information or just need some prayer. Our web address again is www.thelatterrain.org. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. May God bless you.